Hey man, you shaved. I did. Everybody, I did. I got... everybody else in the entire country does the no shave November, and you're like, it's screw December, all of you. you, idiot. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to The Lake Show. I'm joined by my verbally abusive boss, Harrison Fagan. How are you doing, dude? <laughs> hey, I, calling me verbally abusive is too strong. I only talk to you like that. The rest of my employees, I actually – I don't think I've ever called any of them an idiot. In in fairness, I, I basically kind of sort of proposed having your head chopped off to see how old you yes, are. Yes, you did. <laughs> You, I think you proposed that I should be decapitated yesterday on Twitter. So you need to get down to like how old you actually are. Excuse me for being a little salty. I know how old I am. I'm 27. I just feel like I'm like 35 when I'm in college sometimes. No, I mean you 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 act as if you're 35. And I feel it like a lot. Honestly, I feel like 45 a lot of days. Yeah, season's taking a toll. It, it is. It is. Uh, today though, we're gonna talk quite a bit about a few different things around the Lakers. We don't have a guest today, so we're just going to talk to you guys for 40-ish minutes or so. We're going to cover the starters and the starting lineup and the how it's – like when we were just talking about how this season is aging me, the starters are aging me. I know. Actually, we already talked a little about this off the air, and Anthony is very upset. So for those of you that get excited about him like losing it and having like an Ill- ill-informed take that he – like says the opposite of the next day on his next podcast like this podcast for you if you don't like that and you aren't excited about the two of us talking together maybe there's a guest coming up later in the show you never know so stick it you better stick around for the whole time and then like re-download the podcast and listen to it again if the if the guest didn't show up (laughs) i have quite the hot take regarding the starters that i'm gonna drop here in a bit yeah actually you do that's true we're gonna have to bust out the anthony's hot take sound effect Luke did, however, make a change to the rotation, and he is basically playing Michael Beasley, <laughs> Michael Beasley, in moments where or in minutes that Lance used to get. So that's been a good thing. Uh, I'm laughing right now because Mia decided that was a good time to now, right now, as we started doing our, <laughs> we started recording our show. She's, she said that it, there's. She's uh she's doing dishes, which is which is nice. No, well, she did dishes earlier. Now she's decided to make herself a snack, and she just if you, for those of you that have missed Mia on on the Lake Show and on our podcast network, she uh she she just was like, I'm not gonna wait till you're done. I'm gonna make it. So she's making peanut butter and jelly sandwich right now. It looks like how is how what what about making a PB and J involves breaking glass? Well, she she's just a loud, kind of clumsy person in general, and so she does things emphatically. So, like when she gets out a knife, it's like it's like smash her hand into the drawer, like clatter them around together, and then pull one out. And so I'm right. always going to be able to duck when she decides to like kill me because I'm always like, oh, I hear the knife drawer. Even more important question: crunchy or creamy peanut butter? Mia, what kind of peanut butter is it? Crunchy or creamy? It's creamy. Oh my god. She's never allowed on again, right? You're, you're with you're you're dating a serial killer. <laughs> you know. I I wonder about that a lot of the time. <laughs> um today though also beyond the the Beasley and Lance dynamic, which is I think a net positive for the Lakers, that change. Uh Brandon <laughs> Brandon Ingram is now talking about how his confidence has led to his approach to playing offense and I think that's 
that's probably not great. I wrote about that for Silver Screen and Roll yesterday by the time you guys are listening to this. So we're going to we're going to debate that a little bit. And then finally, we're going to finish on a positive. The Lakers defense is now as we're recording this right now, a top 10 defense in terms of defensive rating. That's pretty wild. Yeah, I let, let, let's file that under stories I did not expect more than 20 games in. I thought maybe we'd get like some fun with small sample size like early in the season. Yeah. And people would be like, oh, you know, like the Lakers, they could be better than people think. And then they'd like drop down to 20th and like kind of bottom out. And that can still happen. But 20, 23 games in now, shouts to LeBron James, is a pretty impressive sample size. That's like. I'm not great at math, but I think that's more than a quarter of the season. Yeah, that's more than a quarter of the season. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. Also, I just want to say, like, I I appreciate you finally plugging something on the site during, like, your intro and whatever, because literally every other host that does the show does a better job of kind of plugging, like, Silver Screen and Roll during the intro and outro. <laughs> and so finally you mentioned that there's, like, a website that we do this for where people can find the podcast. Yeah, we're doing this for Silver Screen and Roll and not – in, in in my I, last show, I did even worse. And yeah, I last show you plugged show. the wrong site. So, <laughs> so welcome to the Lake Show. If you've made it through this intro, God bless you. This you truly been... appreciate Anthony and I's podcast stylings because I don't really know that we've made any serious observations about the Lakers so far. And we five are like, what, like five minutes in? Okay, that's exactly actually better than minutes. I thought. Exactly five minutes. So let's let's actually make an observation about the Lakers. The starters need to go. Okay, so yeah, I want you, I'm I'm not even going to say anything. You drop your hot take. I'm I'm just ready for this. So in the last two games in which the Lakers blew out the Dallas Mavericks and then they really blew out the Phoenix Suns, the starting lineup has accrued a net rating of negative nineteen point one. Negative nineteen point one. Those are bad. Those are against bad teams. And then it and this is kind of how it's gone. This this these first two games they start out horribly and then Hart comes into the game. And everybody says, wow, I can't believe the Lakers finished this quarter only down by this much, right? And, and and it's because Hart comes in and he makes a lot more sense alongside the guys who should be starting. And and somehow, magically, math freaking works. And and it, it happens it happens every single game. And, and what it turns into after I – a lot more composed about this so far than you were before we started recording. Well, I'm, kind of I, I, I'm talking myself into anger right now, and and I just, like I want a crying, like leave Brittany alone, like type, <laughs> like change the starting lineup, Luke. <laughs> well, so well, so after every single game, it turns into well, the Lakers can't make a change to the starting lineup while they've won X of X amount of games, and I'm just saying, okay, so so if if a change actually needs to happen. The Lakers need to actually lose games. Like, I need to be rooting for the Lakers to lose games in order for to, to see the change that I know is going to benefit the team. Oh, like, you that's... didn't ask this as a rhetorical when we were off the air, though. You you just said it should happen. I mean, that's that's where I'm currently sitting. I find myself rooting for them to lose games so that Luke Walton can wake up and change the damn lineup. Like, what, what are we doing here? I that clip and use that to plug the show tomorrow. Just like... <laughs> I find I, myself rooting for the Lakers. Well, I'm not going to say it, so because then you get me back. Then so, I'll clip you right back. Not falling for that. So what's even worse is that you stopped yourself before losing. So it's just I find myself rooting for the Lakers, and it makes you look way better. It just sounds like an unethical journalist, if yeah. anything. And so, so that's also not a, not accurate. But you know, so I, the the stat that I found most staggering was I was looking through lineup data just in general, and so I was scrolling through like what are the best lineups to have played more than 15 minutes because there that that gives you like still a decent amount of lineups, but it's you know even though 15 minutes is a small sample size, if you go much higher than that, like 
most most of the lineups haven't played more than like 20-ish minutes. Mm-hmm. And so the starters have played by far the most, 230. The next closest is 55, it That's looks like. That's awful. That's so and, bad. And so like the starters have played 230 minutes. In those 230 minutes, their net rating, 0.0. They're literally treading water. With, with the starting LeBron lineup James. with LeBron James. And that's by far the, the that's group, honestly, by the that's way. Like, that's like you pooped in the fridge and ate a whole wheel of cheese. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed. Uh, here's the thing, though. And, and so last year, I would have been perfectly fine if the Lakers starting lineup treaded water and then the bench came in and did work. And that was... That was basically how the rotation was devised, and and that's how Luke Walton built his rotation. Was basically last two years, really. Yeah, right. It was it was basically our starters are not going to be able to compete on a nightly basis very well against other tr- starters. So what we're going to try to do is make as good a bench as we can possibly get, and then take advantage of the of the advantage that we gain by going up against uh, opposing benches more often than not. And so that was fine. That's 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 a great approach to a lesser talented team. But when you have LeBron James in in the starting lineup, you cannot merely tread water. You cannot literally tread water because when he sits down, that's when the other teams are going to be trying to go at your team's bench. Right. Like that's 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 just how those rotations are going to work out. And and look, this idea of, well, we can't make changes to the starting lineup while the, the team is winning games like that's not leadership. At the very least, I, at the I very disagree. least, I, I just, at the very least, he needs to have a conversation with these guys and say, "Here's the data. It's real loud. It's <laughs> it's screaming in everybody who has paid any attention to it whatsoever that you guys aren't working together. And so either you guys turn it around, play with more energy, play because th- that's the other thing too is that they seem to be sleepwalking when they're out there together. It's not it's not good basketball. I mean, it's, in fairness, they did start at twelve thirty on Sunday, so. I think Fine. we were all sleepwalking. Josh Hart came in and wasn't sleepwalking. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Michael Beasley. You should, if you haven't watched his post game interview yet, yet from yesterday, it was pretty funny. He was trying to find words to just say that the Lakers didn't start that well, while not like you know <laughs> throwing making, the starters under the bench. Or well, the, not making the uh, no, just not making the joke that everybody else was making about mm-hmm. like why they probably didn't start that well on yeah. a Sunday morning. Nah, yeah. I was but, also no, not, I was also hungover, so yeah, I can't I really mean, judge. I'm not surprised you were off this weekend. So yeah. I, I think the the other thing is I I get what you're saying about Luke, and that's not leadership, and he needs to go and change it. But at the same time, these guys are not coming in after a win, and they've won. What did I say before the show? It was like ten of their last thirteen, I think. Since Minnesota, since yeah, they've won since like the 10 game of their last... you think was when they changed the starting lineup pretty sure that's when they changed the starting lineup and so they've won 10 of their last 13 since then either way whether that's when they changed the starting lineup or not they've won 10 of 13 since minnesota and like that's a pretty good stretch and so i think that when you you've won 10 games out of your last 13 it's hard to go to your players who all think that they're starters and all feel like they've contributed and tell them that one of them needs to come off the bench now because these guys are not walking into the locker room afterwards and getting a bunch of lineup data spreadsheets. They're looking at the final, you know, they're looking at the box score, but they're also looking at the result and they're like, coach, how are you going to change it when we've been winning? I think Kuzma has been put in a position where he is playing his best defense of the season. And so he probably doesn't feel, and he's been passing his best of the season, which I wrote about. uh, We wrote about both 
both of which things at silverscreenroll.com. You can go check that out. You know, and you know so, who helps him continue doing that kind of thing? Who? Josh Hart. Josh Hart guards fours, and that allows Kuzma to go out and play defense on the perimeter. But then, so you're saying you're saying send Ingram to the bench? Yes. I think that's a tough thing to do when you're plugging him the entire like he's been hyped up the, by the by the front office and by the by everyone else like as this secondary like the closest thing to a secondary star for LeBron that the Lakers have. And even if that hasn't been proven out, I don't think that you can go from talking about this guy as untouchable perennial all star. Oh, woo wee. He's going to be amazing to like, oh, you know, Brandon, we need you to come off the bench. I just think that that's a hard thing to do. And I think that the team has to struggle for you to be able to have that conversation for them to embrace it and for them to not kind of go into a shell and feel like they're getting screwed over. I just think that that's the way these things work. But they are literally struggling. Well, that yes and no, like to to fuel further fuel the Darius comparisons that I get <laughs> from my podcasting voice. Not necessarily my analysis, but I guess we sound the same to some people. I don't hear it, but I I think yes, the starting lineup is kind of strong. I mean, they aren't losing by definition. Zero, zero point zero is like they aren't losing. They aren't giving up, uh, giving away lead. They're playing well enough to break even. But I, you know, that obviously you'd want them to be better than that. But at the same time, they're looking at the final result. And I think that if you've won ten of thirteen, it's just a hard case to make. Even if you're saying, look, this lineup data isn't. Da, 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 they're like analytics nerd. Get this stuff out of my face. Like, look cool. at the scoreboard. That's great. And then they like, and then they give Luca noogie. <laughs> I I'm not even saying that they that I would prefer a change be made. Let's be clear. But all I'm asking for is some kind of conversation. Aren't you saying that? You just said that you were hoping that they lost so that oh, they would. Oh yeah, you know. I mean, no. I'm saying I want I want them to make a change to the starting lineup. All I'm asking for though is is Luke pull these guys aside and say this is why. We might make a change eventually is because this all this data where the lineup that we are using by far more than any other lineup is merely treading water. I agree with you that if like if we were playing 2K right now, Ingram would be the guy that I'd put on the bench. Like just in terms of stylistically, I think he just makes more sense to stagger with LeBron. We've seen that borne out. He's been playing better with LeBron off of the floor and with the bench. And so like I, I'm I'm totally with that. But like just in a vacuum but these things don't exist in a vacuum and you've hyped this guy up and i think that he just he somewhat justifiably thinks that he should be a starter and like if you remember when he was coming back and they asked him about coming off the bench he laughed yeah that's i think great. That that's in, i think that's i think that's indicative of his mindset it, it is and young players tend to do that kind of thing they tend to be harder to convince of that of taking that kind of role and so do you take the risk it's of also literally luke walton's job so I, this in this part, I'm with I'm with you on some level on that Luke is being marketed and the the people that are defending him are saying, OK, like maybe he's not the best X's and O's coach. Maybe his staff isn't the best. But and I've made this argument. He is an amazing manager of people and egos, and he seems to just relate well with basically any player that comes through here on the roster. They seem to get along on a personal level. Mm -hmm. And so except if you're that guy, Brooke Lopez and except to, Julius okay, Randle. Not and... Brooke Lopez. Julius Randle and him, I think, had a positive relationship. I think Julius Randle's breakdown was probably more with the front office. Like he and Julius, like from when he came in, seemed to have a fairly positive relationship. I, I think, I think. 
so if he's this manager of people and this manager of egos and this Phil Jackson, not Phil Jackson esque, but like that, that was the thing that people Steve always talk about. Phil, was he was this amazing guy at like getting the be- getting players <clears throat> to buy in, getting the best out of a lot of personalities. And so if Luke is that guy, and maybe not on the same level as Phil, but if that's the type of coach he is, then he probably should have to do this and have to figure this out but i just i think that there's context here and i don't think that that's necessarily an easy thing to do i don't think that coaching at any level i they're generally like well you know the lineup data shows that this lineup is struggling but we're winning so i'm going to change things that's just generally not how coaches operate i'm i'm again i'm i'm asking for him to go to the starters and say you guys need to pick it up because at some point if we continue struggling this way that change is going to be coming. That way they aren't blindsided when that change comes. Yeah, I mean, maybe that, and you, you, we don't know that he hasn't had that conversation no, yet. we don't. We don't. Yeah. I would hope he did. I would hope he has. Uh, but and, I just, and I think there's I'm an easy context to... under which to have it, too, by the they've way. Been, they, they've been winning. I just, I don't know. I don't see it until they're losing. And, like, I know that that means that you're going to root for them to tank. So everybody that's at Anthony Irwin LA on Twitter he is going to be rooting for the Lakers to lose the next couple games. Which, I'm rooting for you know, first and foremost Antico- them to turn things around. I just know San- that they're not going to turn things around. And so therefore, yes, I will root for a couple losses in a row if that means that that's what wakes up Luke Walton and makes a change that everybody knows needs to be made. It, this isn't even like – this isn't this isn't – some outside of the box thinking this is and this isn't even crazy analytics either it's it's literally just these guys are the, the team is better when they're not on the court yeah you you may get your wish because they've struggled against kind of versatile larger bigs and so they got san antonio two times in the next two that's the next two games are against san antonio home and away and then they got memphis who has uh marcus all and jaron jackson yep. and you know so maybe. we'll see maybe uh i i i Want to really quickly though? This is the last point that I'm going to make on this. Is that you know you, we keep on hearing how it's hard to make changes to whatever to the starting lineup while they're winning, but Luke Walton made a change while they've been winning, and he basically inserted Michael Beasley into Lance Stevenson's minutes, and that made a big change. Beasley was I- was a big part of why they turned things around against Phoenix, and that's 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 literally making a change while you're winning games. Well, so I think that that's different because you're taking a guy that was out of the rotation and you're taking a guy who individually like well, he wasn't a starter. He just was like a kind of end of the bench reserve. And you're telling him, OK, we're going to take a look at Beasley for a couple games. I just think that just start, that's a lot different than sending Ingram to the bench. And Beasley, like, you know, you're but right. Ingram's Beasley, still the in the rotation. Is, like, Ingram would still be in the rotation, and in a big way, probably, It's too. just, it's a, it's a big status change. It is. It matters to these guys. It very clearly matters to Ingram by the way that he responded to when people were asking him, do you think you're going to come off the bench? Well, guess, guess what you do if Ingram, if it really bothers Ingram that much? He doesn't fit with LeBron anyway, so you trade the guy anyway. Like, well, you don't want to do he's, that if he's, while if he's, he's so upset. That the if Lakers start, of, are, are, I don't aren't think starting that, him. Like, it, it, no, but I'm, I'm because I could see. I think that's a little hyperbolic. Like, I, I think, I think what you risk there is you risk him starting to go into a little bit of a shell or losing some confidence in himself with the bench or like starting to check out a little bit. And then at that point, his trade value is kind of torpedoed anyway. He's not going to be in a trade for Anthony Davis on December fifteenth if you know you if he's coming off of being benched and he's not playing well because he's been sulking. If that's how he takes it. If that's how he takes it. And so maybe he wouldn't, but I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a risk factor. Yeah. Uh, let's talk though about Beasley and Lance. 
I, I think I think it was a really big move. I, I, I it's the kind that that can really make the rotation make a lot more sense. I think it helps everybody involved with that group because Lance's kind of freestyling and and while fans really like Lance dancing or whatever Billy Mac says all the time, uh, Beasley plays a little bit more under control and that allows Ingram to be more of a point guard without having to always tell Lance like, Hey, don't, don't, we don't need that possession. We don't need this possession. This is how Pete and I were actually talking about this on our train ride home on Friday. And we were, I was trying to figure out a way to describe Lance's game and an analogy. And Lance's game is kind of like a scream you hear off in the distance. It's really loud. You know, something's happening, but you're not really sure if somebody's just like celebrating like a game being won or if they're just like are getting murdered until you go up and you see the results. And that's kind of how Lance's game is. He's going to succeed or fail very loudly. Like you're going to notice he's on the court one way or the other. And you just have to wait until the end of the game and figure out which version of Lance you had or until he like, you know, like throws the ball off the backboard to himself and like tries to go through his legs for a dunk on a half court possession, you know, like, (laughs) you know, he just he's got he does everything loud. And whereas Beasley, the thing that I, I noticed most yesterday is that he's just decisive. When he gets the ball, he's trying to get downhill. There's one thing that he's doing. He's not dribbling the ball around. He's not, like, thinking about, okay, should I make the next pass? No, I'm going to go to the basket. And and then, like, throw up, like, a wild floater, like, falling down hook shot over my back. Like, you know, Beasley's just not doing that stuff. He's like, I'm going to try and get to the basket. And if I can't get to the basket, I'm going to pass it and move it along. And so that is a better fit. And even though he hasn't been great, the Lakers are still playing better, like by net rating over the last four games since he came back in to the and since he came into the rotation. The Lakers are better when Beasley is off the floor than when he's on. But you got to keep in mind that he's taking over for a guy in Lance who the Lakers are significantly better yeah. when he is off the floor than when he is on. And so just by Beasley's been a, ne, a 0.0 net rating. That's going to be the theme of today's podcast. And so <laughs> that's going to be our by, <laughs> our podcast title for this. Yeah. Yeah, 0.0 net rating. That's no, but Beasley is it just by just by treading water. He is a better it, treading water is better than drowning. Yes, I I can confirm by definition. Yeah, Jack Jack from Titanic can confirm that that analysis. Rose is selfish. I'm just uh, there's I, so I agree. much like that was. How does that make it all the way to theaters? With it's like there's so clearly room for him on the board, and he's like, Nah, fam, I'm out. <laughs> Maybe she was just that tough to be around. Yeah. Like, look, I could save He's myself. Like, look, or there's a way to get out of a fl- out of this fling. I'm like starting to have doubts <laughs> about this. I'm just He literally ghosted her. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. <laughs> so in this analogy, Michael Beasley is Rose and Lance is Lance's whatever Leonardo DiCaprio's name was in that movie. Jack. I don't know. It was Jack. Jack. There yeah. we go. Did uh, I just say that two sentences ago? Yeah, this is Jack Dawson. Yeah, I, I did. I think so. Uh, I I I completely and absolutely agree with the point you're making though that that Beasley's net neutral presence being not net negative is is big and it's also the and way this isn't that just he plays. net like you can look at what's going on on the floor and you can discern yeah. this too it's very I, obvious both by net and by, by both by the numbers and the eye test that that's what I was gonna say was that because the way that the Lakers want to play this year is fast they they want to play in transition when they're in the half court they're going to try to beat you with speed on the perimeter and ball movement and all those things and what they can't afford as a group is to have Lance Stevenson out there 
playing at at a glacial pace, not just in terms of like the way he plays defense and and getting out in transition and stuff, but also when he has the ball or when he takes part in any kind of half court set and he doesn't dribble between his legs, he considers out of possession wasted. And and it's just you know, he, he just doesn't fit with, with, with what the Lakers need to do, and Beasley does. I and He's very much not a, a a Luke Walton player, which is why it was surprising when he was getting so many minutes at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Well they gave they they gave it a shot and, and this yeah, is how I guess that's true. You get it out of the way. Yeah, you, you give and it a shot. And maybe he comes just... back into the rotation. We could be like he could oh, start playing no. a bunch again on tomorrow on Wednesday. Come on, man. I was in a good mood. I'm just saying. Like well like I was trying to be positive. Uh, I, 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 I would have very little confidence in Luke if Lance makes his way back into the rotation. That's how I'll put it. Okay. Speaking of confidence, Brandon Ingram thinks he has too much. Brandon yes, Ingram. I was. I did. So I was. I was in that interview scrum with Ingram when he said this, and <laughs> I didn't. He, he talks pretty quietly, yeah. and so I actually didn't hear him say it until I was listening to my recording after. My mic is a lot better than my ears, and so like I had to listen back to this thing like five times because I was like, did he actually say this? And he did. He said, I think sometimes I may be too confident, which is kind of an astonishing admission for an NBA player. Most guys don't admit that. You know, they're like they'll talk about playing within themselves or whatever, but like to say that you're too confident. And that, like, you're just failing because of it, essentially, is the implication there. Is like, that, that was almost sad. <laughs> uh, I So here's how I would analyze what he said. And I, to a certain extent, I, I agree. And in the article that I wrote for SilverScreenAndRoll.com, uh, a website that you and I both write for uh, and, and that puts together this podcast for us. Are you, is, that, is that an okay plug? Yeah, I want, like, at least five of those an episode. <laughs> But what I wrote for Silver Screen was basically that that because – look, and I can understand why he has this confidence, by the way, right? Like he has – he has – he's six – what, six, eight probably, do you think? Six, eight, six, nine? Six, nine, I think, right? Yeah. So he's like six, nine. He can handle the ball like a point guard. He can get by most of the people who guard him. Uh, and and do so, and fairly... he can shoot over anyone. Yeah, he can. So so, I to a certain extent, I understand where that confidence is coming from. I also wish he had less confidence in his mid mid range game, and I wish he had uh, less confidence in in what he can do with the ball. And maybe that would ignite him to to do a little bit more off of it. Right. That's basically what I wrote. Is that he he he's saying he wants the game to come to him, and and. To a certain extent, I kind of sort of disagree with with that though, because I, I he needs to do more off of the ball to help himself get into better situations to to be able to succeed and not just rely on his his own individual talents. I don't think that those. I think those two things can go hand in hand. I think you can agree, believe that he well, needs to do all of that. Are. Yeah. Yeah, because I think that like I think the reason he's not doing those things is because he's confident that he can do the other things. He's yeah. confident that he can play this way and have success this way. Mm-hmm. And right now he's not, which I think is at the core of that admission. Mm-hmm. Well, so I I in writing this article, I did some research on on the way he scores. He his baskets come at a rate at an unassisted rate higher than everybody on the roster other than Rajon Rondo, who was a point guard who dominates the ball and LeBron James, who is LeBron James, right? So, so you understand why LeBron wouldn't have very many uh, assisted baskets given the given the way that he can score, 
And and for Brandon Ingram, he can't score in that same way. He isn't as good a an individual scorer, and so his baskets coming at such a low assisted rate puts him in in tough spots. And then since Rajon Rondo got hurt, that number's actually gone down. On average, he's he's right around. I think the number was in the thirty one or thirty nine percent range of unassisted versus assisted. Since Rajon Rondo got hurt, that number's dropped down to twenty six percent, which is real low. That would be that would make him lower than just about anybody else in the NBA. And, and did you actually look that up, or are you just like shooting from the hip? Um, no, I'm, I looked that up. I looked up okay. the twenty six percent. No, and, no, but did you look up that that would actually be lower than? Well, over that time span, it's lower than LeBron. So if okay, Le, that's probably yeah, that's probably fair then. So so fair, you know, I, I just think like Jamal Crawford's probably like like three <laughs> percent. Like <laughs> poor Jamal Crawford, like he he he's, he has Lance Stevenson syndrome, where if he doesn't dribble between his legs, what is he even out there for? Well, Lance is younger, so he has Jamal Crawford syndrome. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. And at least like Jamal Crawford was a historically efficient offensive player for a while. Yeah, Lance is just Lance. Uh yeah. but but yeah, I and and this is this is I guess the foundation of where I think Ingram's season can turn around offensively not just individually but in how he plays with LeBron. If he starts recognizing, "Hey, I I should probably do a little bit more off the ball and stop being so reliant on my on my on ball talents that maybe I do a little more, a little bit more work and, and set some screens for LeBron or off the ball and get myself closer to the basket when I catch it or do more catching and shooting from three point range, then okay. And to his credit, and this was a stat that I really liked his three point buckets are almost all assisted. He has very little unassisted three pull point up mates. threes. Huh? Yeah. Pull up threes. Right. Yeah. All almost all of his three pointers are assisted, and and that's a good thing. So if he just does more of that and more of cutting to the basket, I think you can start to see how things turn around for him in terms of the full team context, uh, context and also with LeBron. You want to guess where his second most frequent shot type is from, though? Probably like the eight to ten foot range. It's mid range. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's taken he's taken ninety nine shots from the restricted area. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Seventy three from mid range. Oof, that's and the good. next is in the paint. The next one is in the is in the paint non restricted area. But those are semi tough shots. Like those. Those are still semi, but it's still like it's better than mid range. I would imagine that the, those are better shooting percentage in general than mid range. He's actually mm-hmm. sh- he's shooting significantly better on those. He's shooting fifty two point three versus thirty five point six on mid range. Yeah, that that number that, needs to drop. Not that's for, like if you're shooting if you're shooting your second most frequent amount of shots or mid range shots you got to be like Chris Paul like you can't yeah. be thirty five point six percent right it's yeah his you know it's funny there is there there's a fun that's on seventy three shots that's not cherry picking stats that's a significant sample size there's a fun there's a fun analogy to be made here where such a high percentage of his shots are from a spot that he's bad from and you you take that over and and basically analogize that with with Luke Walton's rotation being so reliant on a lineup that doesn't work. See what I did there? Full circle. Life is a circle. Time is a I'm pop. not sure that I followed, but... Really? Yeah, I'm also very tired, though, okay. so... Okay, well, that's fine. Uh, let's finish, though, on a positive. And, and this is where I, I, I want to make sure... 
It sounds those like those of I'm, you that have been screaming and like pounding against your dashboard at Anthony for complaining the entire podcast. This is your time. We're finally going to say nice things. I, Maybe. Well, no, we've said some. I, I said some nice things about Beasley. Yeah, that's true. I yeah. can't imagine that that's what most people were going to a Lakers podcast for, though. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> They're like, oh well, at least Beasley's good. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to finish here on on a. On a positive, and I'm going to segue from the Ingram conversation that we just had here, and I want to make sure you guys know, Ingram does have value as a basketball player. I believe he's still a net positive for the Lakers right now on on and off-court numbers. I think he's like a plus two or something like that. Uh, I don't know if I pulled up, but I'm, I'm pretty sure look. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Um, and that's because of how good he is on the defensive side. And the Lakers somehow, wildly are a top 10 defense this late in the season. And, and, and two, they're what, seventh? They're seventh, yeah. Right. Although over the last... Since... Yeah, well, they've been second since they got Tyson Chandler. Yeah. That, I know. That's been crazy. They were, there was like a week where they were first since they got Tyson Chandler. And everyone was like, oh, that's small sample size. He's going to be washed up. And it's like, well, okay, now it's been 13 games. So like, that's well, more than a... half the season so far. At least, uh, at, at least they were kind of sort of right, right? The Lakers did slip all yeah, the way from to one... To two. <laughs> uh, but I, I do want to say, though, that... Uh, Ingram is uh, still a plus 3.1, by the way. Ingram is a plus 3.1? Yeah, he's a plus 3.1. Yeah, that sound, that's that's about what I thought. And, and the Lakers are a plus 0.7 when he's on the bench. So they're still doing better with him than without him. Yeah. Uh, I, Poor Travis Ware. <clears throat> Has he played this season? Nine. Huh? Have you seen more it's, uh, Wagner's on and off? Oh, uh, yeah. Poor kid. <laughs> Less Wagner, I guess. Is, he's he's two point five off, and then uh, and then uh, on, he's a negative twenty five point six. It's okay. I'm I'm rooting for him to figure it out. He seems like a very nice guy. I, I think he can figure it out. I, I, I like his game. I am dubious about his ability to guard. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I I agree. But regarding the Lakers' defense, though, I want to I want to credit four players here. I think there are four guys who really deserve a ton of credit here. I with... think the coach deserves a little bit of credit too. Absolutely, yeah, yes. And and with that's... all the with all the criticism Luke's gotten for the offense, like Pete made this point beautifully, and then a lot of people have parroted it since. But uh, Luke has done Luke did a great job in shifting the way that Ingram and Kuzma defend. And mm-hmm. as far as like Kuz is chasing guys around screens and he's admitted that he's more engaged doing that, like straight, it was very honest. And, uh, and Ingram, he, he's putting him more on the ball because he'll actually pay attention. So mm-hmm. <laughs> seems like it's important. Uh, and the four guys that I wanted to credit though, I want to credit one Tyson Chandler, who may be the great, is he the greatest, uh, free agent acquisition that the Lakers have had in the last five years? It's hard to argue. I mean, they brought in LeBron. That was obviously very hyped, but I'm just saying they didn't turn it around until Tyson got to town. So, <laughs> just like Kobe not winning a title without Derek Fisher. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like we all know who the real hero was. So, you think that was on Derek Fisher's like LinkedIn resume? Oh, that's the definitely. Kobe his... ne- that's like bullet point number two. Kobe never won a title without me. If I was, if I was Fisher, number one, it's like I... played X amount of years in the NBA. Number two is like Kobe never won a title without me. I, if I was Fisher, I would I would text that to Kobe every chance I got. Just like every... Josh Hart texts Mo Wagner, you're not a national championship <laughs> champion every chance he gets. Yeah. 
So, but anyway, you were you wanted to credit some players. So yeah, one Tyson Chandler, two JaVel McGee, who to his credit, like it's not easy. As we talked about earlier in the show regarding the sacrifice that one of the starters might eventually have to make here, it it can't have been easy for JaVale to see Tyson Chandler come into town and potentially have to sacrifice there. Yeah, so I on that, I this is actually something that I had been thinking about because like JaVale early on during the season, he was very cognizant about pushing back on the narrative that he couldn't play this many minutes. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden the Lakers bring in a guy that seems to validate that criticism. And initially he didn't say anything that was like, I don't want Tyson here or anything like react in any negative way. It was just like watching him in interviews when people would ask him about Tyson, there was like a there was kind of like a hesitancy there at was times. A tone. So like, yeah, there was a tone thing. It was like, I don't want to read too much into it, but there was a little bit of, but since, but lately it's been like, I think he's seen, okay, this guy's not going to take my role. I think they've probably talked like a little bit more and he's seen Tyson is not coming, trying to come in here and like house of cards him. And so like to his credit, he's been playing really well. I think, and like, I think he's probably as much as he pushes back on this narrative. I think this is true for all players. I think they all play more effective in shorter bursts. Yeah. Well, because you can expect, especially guys, like JaVale that are so predicated on hustle. I think like, that's I, a I, law I of economics. You can make the argument probably for some scorers that they need a little bit more time to get into rhythm and things like that. Like I think there are some players that maybe you could make the case they get a little bit better in like, maybe not an overextension of minutes, but in like they play better when they play 20 versus when they play 10 type yeah. of thing. Um, no, no, they. I think that's a law of – it's called the law of diminishing returns. Like everybody – everything happens better in shorter bursts. Well, but the diminishing the returns only kick in at a certain point. Mm, no, I think that's like immediate for across all things. Like you, I disagree, but I got an A in economics, so what do I know? <laughs> when you when you eat like a steak, your your first bite is always the best one, and then from there the thing. God. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't. You wouldn't be able to 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 relate, seeing as you eat less. I've eat, I've eaten steak before. <laughs> Apparently not. If you stopped eating it, um, I, I so I said. I said Tyson first. I said JaVale deserves a lot of credit second. I think Brandon Ingram deserves a lot of credit third because that that, that game against the Dallas Mavericks. Um, Anthony, I think Ingram should be benched. Also, Anthony, he deserves a lot of credit for his improved play. That was a verbal meme for you. There you go. There you go. Come together. Like it's that one meme, right? Where they. Yeah, where it's they... the two guys like <laughs> grabbing each other's hands and you can't tell if they're arm wrestling or agreeing together. Analyzing analyzing Brandon Ingram and then those yeah. two things. Uh, I, I do think, though, that Ingram, in both the games that the Lakers have played the Dallas Mavericks this year, just gave Luka Doncic all kinds of problems. And when you consider the things that Doncic is doing to the rest of the league right now, that's 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 quite it's it's a bit of a Ingram's kind of tailor made to guard a guy like that. He is he is well, but I think to Ingram's credit though, he's... I'm not taking credit away from him. I'm just saying yeah. like I think he is. I think that's exactly the type of player he's built to guard. But I, I think he's he's also addressing defense a lot smarter than he did last season, where he realizes and he recognizes, oh wait, I'm longer and more athletic than just about everybody I can guard. I can take different angles because that means. I can recover a lot he better than arms in their guys. airspace. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think just learning that and, and it's something that, that gives me confidence that he might figure it out offensively. Like if he can figure it out so well defensively and, and use his brain in terms of, of his, his approach to a aspect of the game, 
then that tells me he might be able to do that elsewhere. So I think he's a smart guy. I I think he will figure this out. Yeah. Uh, So he's the third guy. And then the last guy on here is Lonzo, who uh, I think one, one thing that people tended to forget in analyzing Lonzo's defense to start the year was that he missed almost all, no, he missed all of training camp and almost all of the preseason. And, and with that, with that knee surgery thing and the off season. Yeah. And, and, and a good chunk of the off season. And so he was working himself, I think, at the beginning of the season into shape. And now he's having more of the impact that we saw from last year. And and I think all of these things kind of coming together at the same time have led to the Lakers vaulting upward uh, 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 across this list of, of teams' abilities defensively. And, and and then Luke Walton kind of tying everything together. It's been It's been a lot of fun to watch this team grow on that end of the court. Yeah, and so this has been the Irwins. That was our our new maybe recurring award segment. I'm sorry, Coos was snubbed. <laughs> Did not got zero credit for the defensive improvement. So no, you gave him credit. Yeah, I gave him Brad, but he didn't get credit from you. You said there were four guys you wanted to credit. So well, yeah, I I don't like it when we just decide. Okay, it's just everything that we do is in multiples of five. It's weird. So you snubbed Coos because you don't like the number five. That was a weird. That was a new tick for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think we're probably good. I mean, the defense has been a lot better. The defense, the Lakers, so this is where we get to say suck it, haters, and the Lakers can be a better defense than you thought. And we saw all of your jokes about how no one was going to try on that end because they were all going to take LeBron's lead, and it turns out no. Like good employees, they have decided that they're going to let their boss boss delegate defense to them and work really hard on that area, and then like so that he can kind of like take care of offense for them. It's worked so far. Yeah, hey, you know, like they're they're like they're kind of like the, if this was like football, they're the defense and LeBron's the offense. If we don't if we just worked off of the the final 3 quarters of the last two games, that's a really fun team to watch. Yeah. Like the Lakers, I I I said this on Friday night. Um we were Jen and they're I were pesky. Huh? They're pesky. They are. They are and and they get out and they run and it's a fun brand of basketball to watch. That's why it's it's so stark a difference when they aren't playing that way that it's so frustrating when it doesn't happen, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so they just, more for whatever that, reason, have decided to tank first quarters. <laughs> they're like, maybe it makes it more interesting for them. They're like, they're like, let's see how much we can get down by and then come back. To be fair, I would do whatever I could to make things interesting against the Phoenix Suns. LeBron wants to beat Kobe's clutch records, so he's just like trying to keep these games <laughs> close so that he can have more game winners in a Laker uniform. <laughs> If that it's never going to happen because Kobe had so many of them. But if that ever happens, Can you imagine that would oh, burn the internet down. Man, anyway, there, there was one. As uh, since we're starting to trend towards wrapping up here, there yeah. was one. I was looking through the lineups, and of the lineups to play more than fifteen minutes, do you want to guess what five man combination has the best net rating? This is like fun with stats of at least of at least fifteen minutes. Of at least fifteen minutes. Don't look it up. I'm not. I don't. I couldn't look it up if I wanted to. <laughs> Um, all right, of at least 15 minutes. So I'm guessing Anthony just learned I'm mean, while you think, I'm just going to say this. Anthony just learned to use the NBA stats site like last week, and it's been <laughs> an entertaining addition to his articles and Slack. Like we'll just get random messages at like 1 a.m. It's like, "Guys, you won't believe what Ingram's <laughs> shooting on mid-range jumpers." <laughs> it's like, "No, Anthony, we know. Like we we looked at that site before." It's been it's no, it's it's been less recent than than a week ago. Okay, like two weeks ago. Yeah, it's like a week and a half at least. Yeah, okay. 
Um, but, but but yeah, all right. So the the lineup, all right. So is it like Rondo? Just Lance? think it's it's a lineup tailor made to make you angry. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking you you, you got two of them. I think it's Rondo. You got two of them. Lance is it is Ingram in there? No. KCP. You got it. Is Beasley in there? No. Okay. Uh, Javale. Nope. Ch- Chandler. Nope. Wow. It's Hart and Zubots. <laughs> That has to be. We figured Zubats. out the key. <laughs> that they got Alicia Vitsa. <laughs> What's the Lineup net rating? Nineteen minutes together. They have an offensive rate. This is really. This is hilarious. They have an offensive rating of ninety point five, <laughs> but a defensive rating of fifty nine point five. That's They're amazing. Like fifty nine and a half points per one hundred possessions if you extrapolated it. So I'm sure that that's not garbage time and totally a sustainable result. So the Lakers <laughs> should play them more. They have a net rating of thirty one. Yeah, I completely agree. Get on that, Luke. Um, although while while we're on the while we're on plus minus stuff, the trio of LeBron, Hart, and Chandler has like a net rating or no has a defensive rating of eighty. That's... Yeah, that that actually seemed somewhat the the bench with LeBron lineups have played really well. Yeah, I want I want well yeah that's because they aren't the starters. Yeah, that's fair. Right. <laughs> That'll do it for this episode of the Lake well, Show. Gonna, are we going to declare our enemy of the week, or was it just the haters that said that the Lakers couldn't play good oh. defense? Well, I was I was going to make the enemy of the week uh, the starting lineup. Can I not do that? No, we. I mean, we each get to nominate our own. So. All right. So yeah, my nomination is the starting lineup. It, they're making me root against the Lakers. Mine is. I guess we now this is two. I can't say opposing bloggers like two weeks in a row now because like <laughs> that was what it was last week. Mine is... I should be the enemy of the show, right? If I'm rooting against the Lakers? Yeah, I guess it's you. I guess Anthony <laughs> Anthony Irwin is our is our The Lake Show official enemy of the week for rooting for the Lakers to lose. So they changed the starting lineup because he's an analytics nerd. Don't listen to what this nerd numbers nerd that just figured out NBA.com like a week and a half ago tells you. The starters are fine. The Lakers are winning. That's great. That's great. I'm an enemy of my own podcast. How about yeah. that? Well, next week we'll do Pete. We'll just we'll really see how angry we can make people. Oh man, if we ever if we ever say anything negative about Pete, this no, show's I, over. I never would. Pete's Pete's great. Yeah, he is. All right, that'll do it for for this episode of the the Lake Show. Uh, we'll be back again next week. Make sure you guys are checking out all the other shows. We have maybe a new you addition. Can, yeah, we have a new addition coming this week. Coming to you guys. Coming to you all tomorrow. So there will be a Wednesday show starting tomorrow. And I'm not gonna say who it is yet but it's gonna be fun and we have that's like an ominous phrasing i always forget that's like has a negative connotation i also would encourage all of you to if you're not already subscribe to the podcast on itunes or google podcasts or spotify or wherever else you buy and sell or just download for free this podcast free you don't have to pay for it uh podcast so go and do that subscribe Tell your friends, leave a review. If you don't want to leave an enemy of the week review, please leave a five-star review, either saying what you like about the podcast. That's great. We appreciate that. It's really good for my self-esteem, especially, especially when you roast Anthony and say that I'm great. It makes me feel really good about myself. (laughs) And like some of those are burner accounts just for me, just making myself feel good. But it's also like a place where you can tell us, is there something that you want more out of from this show? Like leave a five-star review and then just tell us what you want more of out of this show. Like it's not necessarily, we don't have to do the mailbag thing. We aren't going to steal what was originally my idea for that other podcast that we sometimes post on silver screen. And roll. I don't think that was and, your idea. No, that was a hundred percent my idea. No, I don't so, think that was now. Okay. You're definitely the enemy of the week now. <laughs>
Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you. You can take us out. I can't. Have a good one, everybody. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Smart.